You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate your warm welcome. Thank you so much. As uh, Sandra said, we're in the middle of a series entitled God at Work at the moment. And I know from many of you that I've spoken to about this, you've been enjoying it, you've been finding it really helpful. So I'm hoping that's not going to change today. So um, for those of you who don't know, I currently work full-time as a primary school teacher. I work in two schools, in four different classes, and with four different age groups. So it's fair to say it's fairly busy, keeps me fairly challenged, but most of the time I do really enjoy what I do. But it's not been my only job. Um, I was thinking back, my first job was actually working as a shop assistant in BHS. I think I earn about £5.40 for four hours work, and I know I spent at least £2 on the bus fare in and out of work. So I wasn't earning my millions, but I definitely felt chuffed to be joining the world of work. And um, I've also had a job as a fruit picker, a waitress, a cleaner for holiday homes, um, a special needs play scheme worker, And I even had a taste, um, as a student, I commuted up into the city and I spent my summers there in a stockbroker's office. I think I was employed to do filing, but soon discovered that my primary job was actually getting ice creams from the garage across the way for the rest of the staff. Um, But it was a fun experience. Um, But my best job and most fulfilling job to date, uh, though it's not been without its challenges, has definitely been the job of being a mum to my three great kids. So there you go. (laughs) So I want to encourage you, whatever job that you're currently doing, whether it's a cleaner, a solicitor, whether you're in voluntary work or full-time seeking work, or a student and working hard at least three hours a day, uh, or a full-time mum at home, um, then uh, whatever you do, it, it does really matter to God. And it's important to remember that the way that we work is of far greater significance than the job that we do. So I want to look at um, two of the biggest challenges associated with the way that we work today, and that is stress and work-life balance. Is is stress just a fact of modern-day living? Is it possible to live well in a stressed-out workplace? Does faith make a difference? Can we work with purpose and peace? So why don't we pray before we look at this topic together. Jesus, I thank you that you're here today by your Spirit. I thank you that you love us and that you're interested in the work that we do. I thank you for the gifts and talents that you've blessed us with that we can use for your glory. And I pray that our hearts would be open and teachable today so that you would speak to us through your word. Be with me as I speak, Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's no doubt stress is a killer. One study actually found that stress puts the same amount of strain on the heart as being 40 pounds overweight, and that prolonged periods of tension have the same effect on your blood pressure as aging 30 years. And it's actually a national health problem, 
Um, they now reckon that one in five of the working population suffer from stress, and over 105 million days are lost to stress each year, causing the UK employers 1.24 billion pounds. Stress has actually overtaken the common cold as the biggest cause of sickness in the UK. Stress is a big issue. I don't. Uh, I wonder if you can remember maybe a time this week or this month or this year when you felt stress at work. I uh, remember my first time of feeling stressed at work. Uh, as I said before, um, for some summers I worked uh, on a play scheme for children with special needs. And this ranged from Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, to severe autism. It was quite a few years ago, or maybe not so many years ago. Um, I was 18 at the time. And uh, after helping out for one year, the next year they decide to put me in charge of one of the sites of this play scheme. Um, I was 18 years old, and I'd had one week's work experience you know, in this job. So it wasn't quite as PC in those days. Um, anyway, I'm heading up this play scheme, and one day we take the children out to Brighton for the day. And during this day, someone informs me that one of our autistic boys is missing. Um, he was one of the older boys, I think he was about 16 or 17, but he could not actually communicate verbally. At that moment, I felt stress. <laughs> Fortunately, not everyone around me felt quite so stressed. I think that's probably because they weren't in charge. And they decided quite calmly it would be a good idea. Let's call the police. So we phoned the police, only to find that they'd already been called by a local hotel a little while earlier to say that our boy had wandered in there and they had him and all was well. So it all ended, ended very uh, well on that occasion. But I think I still bear the scars because whenever I go out on a school trip now, I'm constantly counting children and rate the success of a trip on whether or not I bring home the same number of children as I took. Um, now, that's just an isolated incident. But if you feel stressed, a lot of the time it is not good. Uh, but it's hard to avoid, isn't it? We live in a really pressurized society. And many of us face pressures on a regular basis. Maybe you can relate to one of these pressures. The pressure of being yourself. You know, you're trying to fit in. It's a new job. job. You're trying to learn the ropes and look like you know what you're doing and not look stupid. Um, or maybe you work in a really ungodly environment and just the whole thing of acting with integrity um, and, you know, holding your beliefs can be really hard whilst you're sort of trying to fit in. There's also pressure from responsibility, you know, managing other people, being in charge. Pressure of time, meeting deadlines. Even if you've got young kids at home, you know, there's so many jobs to do to try and fit into your day. The pressures of achieving and performing, getting an outstanding Ofsted report. I'm sure all the teachers out there can relate to that one. Or meeting targets. You know, there's those pressures of deadlines. Pressures from authority figures. You know, maybe you're struggling with a difficult boss who's making demands of you that you feel, I can't keep these, or, you know, the situation's just out of my control. Or there may be money pressures. You know, you're trying to make ends meet, or maybe you're actually trying to find a job in the first place. 
There are often times in our lives when we feel like we're, you know, under increased amounts of pressure. It's important to clarify, I think, at this point, that stress and pressure are not actually the same things. Stress, by definition, is an adverse reaction to too much pressure. But pressure isn't actually the enemy. Sometimes it can actually be a good motivator to get things done. I know that in our house on a Saturday night, if the preach is not finished, then the pressure can help get the job done. And uh, with many students I know, and I've got a few living in my house currently, work deadlines can be a good thing. Josh, our oldest, came back from university at Christmas, and, you know, he says hello to us, and then quickly settles down on the computer, starts working away. I'm thinking, wow, he's so studious, you know, uni life is doing... And then he lets us know that actually he's working on a project that's got to be handed in that night by 12 o'clock, I think it is. And at 11.45, he presses the button to finally send this project off to his tutor. So, you know, actually, sometimes deadlines can be good. Sometimes a lack of pressure, maybe when you're unemployed or you've got a lot of time on your hands, that can actually be difficult to actually get motivated and get things done. So whilst pressure can be good, if our internal response to this leads to stress, it can often be detrimental. I think Ken Costa uh, says a great quote, many of us thrive under pressure, but wilt under persistent stress. I wonder how you respond to stress. Maybe you deny it exists. Maybe you try and run away from it or escape it. Maybe you turn to other things to try and cope with it. Maybe drinking or gaming, smoking, eating. The issue is not how much pressure that we're under, but much rather how we respond to that pressure. Jesus often faced pressure. He was in constant demand from others to heal people, to perform miracles. He experienced pressure from religious leaders who hated him, pressure from demons, even pressure from his own family. So let's look at one example in Mark chapter 3. This is verses 7 to 13. It says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to a lake. And a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed so many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. You know, at one point there, there's so many people that he needed a small boat just to get away. And throughout the Gospels, we read of Jesus being pressured by the constant needs of the crowds. So I want to look at the life of Jesus today and other examples in the Bible of how we can handle pressure well. And I believe that we can approach this in two ways. 
The first is to manage the influence of different pressures around us to try and create a good work-life balance. And I'm going to call this the external approach. And the second is to address what's going on inside of us when we feel under pressure. And I'm going to call this the internal approach. Okay, so first of all, let's have a little look at the external approach. Establishing a good work-life balance. The first thing I would say in this approach is spend time with God. Uh, spend time with God and God's people. Verse 13 in that passage that we read earlier from Mark 3 said, he, And he went up to the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. The Gospel of Luke tells us that Jesus went out to a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So that's how Jesus coped with the pressure. It was to spend time with his father in prayer, to get alone with God. And I think sometimes when we feel under a lot of pressure, the tendency is to kind of neglect this relationship. We think, actually, we've got far more pressing issues that we need to give ourselves to. And, you know, actually, we can see prayer. It's a bit of like an extra pressure, you know, an extra strain. When, in fact, the, matter is, the fact of the matter is that actually prayer equips us for what God has called us to do. It helps us realize that, actually, it's not all about us. Our dependency is not on us. It's on God. In Exodus, God called the Israelites to set aside their time on the seventh day for him. It said, on the seventh day, you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. That's in Exodus chapter 34. We know, don't we, that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. From the very beginning, God established this rhythm of work and rest. And God wants us to, to um, maintain this even when the season is busy and the, you know, the time to get things accomplished, your work done, is limited. It says there, even during the harvest. That would have been their busiest time. You know, you've got your final exams coming or you've got an important presentation at work to prepare for but you still choose to make time for God and his people. God loves that. He loves that. That's why we encourage you to be committed to local church. You know, it's edifying to meet with others, to hear the word being preached, to worship together. I know that I really miss it when I'm not here. The Bible clearly states that the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. In other words, it's there for our benefit. It's to, the, the whole point is to do us good. Spending time with our Father is a blessing. What an amazing privilege, isn't it, to know the creator of the universe who's able to do everything, all things. Why wouldn't we want to spend as much time with him as we possibly can? So that's the first thing, spend time with God. The second point would be to manage priorities. I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, I, haven't, I just haven't got enough time. But the truth is, we manage priorities, not time. Time is constant. We can't actually influence it as much as we would like to. I got here this morning and Abby said, could you turn the clocks back half an hour? You know, that would be great. But we can't actually influence time at all. Arnold Bennett, in his book, 
How to Live on 24 Hours a Day, said, we shall never have more time. We have and always have had all the time there is. The problem is not enough time, but it's living by priorities. The great evangelist J. John once said, if we don't live by priorities, we will live by pressures. And um, I heard a story of a professor who was illustrating this point in a lecture to his students. So he got a, a massive bucket, and into the bucket he put some really large rocks filling up this bucket. And he said to his students, um, is this bucket full? To which they all thought, yes, it was. But he went on and filled between all the rocks uh, this bucket with small stones and asked them again, is the bucket full? They twigged at this point and they said, no, I don't think it is. And he said, you're right. And he went on and filled this bucket with sand. Again, he asked them, is the bucket full? They decided, no, they didn't think it was yet. And then he went on and he filled this bucket with water until it was right at the very brim. And he asked them again, is the bucket full? This time, they all decided, yes, it was full. So he went on and asked them, what do you think the point of that illustration was? And one smart student put his hand up and said, the point is, however much you've got into your life already, you can always cram a bit more in. He said, no, that's not the point. The point is, unless you get the big rocks into the bucket first, there will not be space for them. It will be full up with other things. And that's true. Unless we put the things that really matter into our diaries first, our diaries will get full from other things, uh, and there'll be no time for the things that are actually really important. I wonder what your priorities in life are. Time with God, time to relax with friends, time to invest in your marriage or your children. This also applies to our work. What are our priorities at work? You know, when we're in those busy times, those stressful times, are we prioritizing the jobs that need to happen? Which ones are really important? It's always busy at my work, so I go in in the morning. And I think to myself, what are the jobs that have really got to get done today? What are the things that are really important? Because otherwise, often the urgent can stop us from doing what's really important. We know a famous story, don't we, in the Bible of Mary and Martha. We can find this story in Luke chapter 10. I'll just read it to you. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who was at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the, all the preparations that she had to be made. A work slip up there. Uh, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me all the work to do by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary recognized what was really important and made sure that she gave herself to that first. What are our priorities? Are we making sure that we're putting those things into the bucket first? And the last thing I would say under 
the external approach is to stay healthy. We need to take care of our bodies. After all, they are temples of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And it may seem like common sense, but actually, in times of stress and deadlines, it can often be the first thing that we neglect. According to the Guardian newspaper, only 43% of the, Brit uh, the uh, UK workers take a break at lunchtime. And I know that I can find this a challenge because it can be very much the culture, can't it, of the workplace that nobody takes a break for lunch. I remember somebody at work once saying to me, we all work through our lunch breaks, Nikki, as though if you took a lunch break, you were a slacker. You know, it's like that's, that can be the culture of where you work. We read a story in, um, about Elijah in 1 Kings where he flees from Jezebel and he's afraid, he runs for his life. He sits down under a tree and he prays that he would die. I've had enough, Lord, he says, take my life. He is feeling stressed. So what does he do? He lays down under a tree and falls asleep. I praise God for sleep. I love sleep. God sends an angel to Elijah and tells him to get up and eat. He has some food and water to drink. And then the Bible says, strengthened, he continues on his journey. And I think that's true for us. In order to be strengthened, we need to eat well. By that, I mean healthily. That's not a Domino's every day, unfortunately. And we need to drink plenty of water and get enough sleep. I try and drink lots, and I'm not talking about wine. I mean water. I've got a two-litre bottle that I put on my desk every day, and my aim is to try and drink that during the day. It does mean that I spend most of my time going to the toilet, but I do feel alert, and I get a far less headaches as a result of trying to drink plenty. I'm also a great advocate of taking regular exercise. I actually believe that we're far more connected physically and spiritually and emotionally than we probably um, realize. And I have fell, found I try and run three times a week. And I found from doing the running, it has not only helped me physically, but actually mentally and spiritually, it has also been of great benefit. So, externally, let's just go through those things again. We can ensure that we're taking time with God, we're managing priorities, and that we're keeping healthy. But however much we try and manage pressure externally, it will still come. And we still need to look at how we're going to respond to those pressures. So, my second approach is the internal approach. How we can respond to pressure when it comes. So I would say my first point uh, under this heading would be to gain perspective. I think it's really important that we get the right perspective of work because our life balance can actually be affected by having a wrong view of work. Some of us maybe work to live. You know, we just need to do it to pay the bills. And the danger is then it just becomes a drudgery. It le leads to resentment and frustration. Or on the other side of that, we can live to work. And work becomes our everything, our source of fulfillment and satisfaction, which can lead to idolatry. Martin Luther defines idolatry as looking 
to some created things to give you what only God can give you. And uh, I think one of the dangers of Christians is that we can spend too many hours working and excuse these long hours that, well, we're working for Jesus. We're trying to do a really excellent job in what we're doing. And I do think we need to be working well for Jesus, and we do need to be working hard in our workplaces, but I don't think that's the sum total. Otherwise, we're going to be drawn into working far too long hours and working at the expense of everything else. I think doing a good job is one aspect of serving Jesus at work, but it's not, it's not the only one. I think matters of integrity, ethics, being a witness to others, our character, our attitude, they're all just as important as doing a, as good a job as we can. And I think so too is how hard we work for Jesus in other areas of our lives, our friendships, our marriages, our parenting, our churches. You know, every day we're wholehearted worshippers of Jesus wherever we are and whatever we're doing, recognizing that we're worshipping God through our work and not worshipping our work. The next point I would say under this heading would be to fight fear. I think fear can actually be a huge stress generator at work Maybe the fear of making mistakes, fear of what others think of us, fear of uh, the future, fear of decisions, fear of where our career is going, fear, fear of exams even. It can be difficult at times not to be fearful and worry a lot. I know I can find this a challenge. I can be a bit of a worrier. Although worrying, people often say to me, worrying is a waste of time. I did hear of one husband who said to his wife, I, you're always worrying and it doesn't do any good. To which she piped back, oh yes it does, 90% of the things I worry about never actually happen. And that's often true, isn't it? That much of the things that we worry about don't actually happen. Uh, I read these st statistics as I was preparing for this about worry. It said 40% of worry is about things that will never happen. 30% is about things in the past that can't actually be changed. 12% is about criticism by others. It's often untrue. 10% is about our health. That actually gets worse with worrying and stress. And actually, only 8% is about real problems that can be dealt with. So we're probably wasting a lot of time worrying. Jesus says, who of you by worrying, can add a single hour to his life. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its, of its own. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not much more valuable than they? That's from Matthew 6. When Jesus tells us not to worry, it's not an excuse to be idle or to be careless. Birds aren't actually idle. They work hard, but they don't worry. They show us how we can trust in our creator, something we often find much harder to do. 
When the kids were small, we often went on holiday um, to South Wales. Josh loved going to the beach there. Um, I'm using him lots in illustrations today because he's away at uni, so he can't give me any grief. Um, the sea was freezing and it was quite rough. And in fact, we found that the waters were seal infested. Pete actually got chased, chased by a seal while we were there one summer. So um, anyway, Pete and Josh would spend hours in the water on a bodyboard, riding the waves, which for a little three-year-old, um, you know, they were quite big and it was quite scary. But Josh didn't seem to mind. You know, he was with his dad. I was on the beach, you know, trying not to look too concerned. Is Pete being responsible enough over there? Uh, but Josh didn't feel that concern. He trusted that his dad was looking after him. He trusted that his dad would protect him should any seal come along and try and attack him. Um, and I think that's true. We have a father who loves us, don't we? Ha our lives are in his hands. We can trust him doesn't mean that at times it's not going to be a bit rough and it's going to feel a little uncomfortable, but we know that our Father is with us. He's big enough to take care of every detail of our work, about which we can get so worried and stressed. And I do think that uh, realizing these truths and believing them will help us to manage our stress better because we won't be people of a little faith in a little God. So fight fear. And the last point I would say uh, under this internal approach is know your identity. Know that your identity is in Christ. Not only do we ho hold on to how great our God is, but also we need to realize our own great value. Jesus mentioned that earlier when we read the passage from Matthew 6. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I guess the danger for many of us is that we can seek our value and our worth from success at work. Our identity is so often tied up in our jobs, our latest performance review, could do better, targets unmet, satisfactory lesson, failed exam. Even our success at getting a job or maybe how our kids are doing as a mum or as a parent. But the wonderful news is that our identity in God is not performance related. You know, we don't have to earn our merit or favor with God. His love for us is unconditional through Jesus' death uh, and resurrection on the cross. I think Pete brought that um, thing earlier, didn't he, about the Father loves us. He loves us. Tim Keller gives a great quote. The gospel frees us from the relentless pressure of having to prove ourselves and secure our identity through work, for we are already proven and secure. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to kill ourselves at work to gain acceptance and significance. We're already accepted by one far greater than any boss or any colleague at work. And if we look for our significance in work, the danger is we come away empty, empty, with empty hearts. Our significance lies in our relationship with the creator of work. It costs God 
the life of Jesus. Oh, got some little background music there playing along. <laughs> it cost God the life of Jesus to bring us into a relationship with him. That's how valuable we are to God. And if we truly recognize that value, it takes away the need to strive and perform and instead enables us just to enjoy the freedom of being loved by God no matter what. No matter whether you've met those targets at work, no matter whether it's been a good week or a bad week, God loves us and we can enjoy that. What a great God we serve. I don't know all the pressures that you're currently facing. Maybe you feel overwhelmed with stresses at work. Maybe you feel overwhelmed to the point where you really feel like you can't cope and, and maybe you need to seek some medical help. And I'd be happy to speak with you afterwards if you feel that that's you. For others, I'd love to pray for people who feel God has been speaking to them this morning, maybe about prioritizing the time you spend with him, or about managing your diaries more effectively, or about looking after your physical health. Maybe you feel challenged about seeing work in the right perspective, about worry, fear, or about recognizing your true value to God. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you maybe to stand, and I'd love to pray for you. I'm going to ask the band if they would be happy to come out and we'll maybe have some, something in the background as well. But I do believe that God, God doesn't want you to feel stress at work. He wants you to know that he loves you, that you're of value to him, that actually you don't need to live with all these pressures overwhelming you. Um, I think earlier we, we heard, didn't we, about how God wants to lift burdens from you. So I think if you feel this morning, actually, I do feel challenged by one of those things that I mentioned, then maybe you would like to stand now and I'd like to pray for you. Well, we lift our hands out to him because we do want to receive from him this morning, don't we? <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we are so valuable to you. We thank you that we don't need to earn your approval and your affirmation that we don't need to prove our worth to you through our work. I pray for everyone here who feels stress, particularly stress with their work. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come to them now and that you would bring your peace. Take away any fear and anxiety pray you'd help them to make adjustments to enable them to work in a way that brings you glory. I pray today that you would lift their heads and that you would take off heavy burdens. 
Father, we thank you that you're interested in our work. We thank you you're interested in our lives. We thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. Holy Spirit, would you come, I pray in Jesus' name. I'd encourage you just to speak with God now. Just let him know how how you're feeling. Just let him know what's going on in your heart. Just listen to him speak to you as well. That he loves you. He values you. That he's with you in every situation. the rest of us to stand as well and I think we're going to respond in a song